Thomas's presents Tackling Traffic with Tom. Good morrow. Tis your reminder to savour the morning with Thomas's breakfast. And while you may not be able to control what occurs on your commute, like your horse and buggy popping a wheel and axle on the way to the schoolhouse, you can control what you put atop your soft but crunchy bagel and the toastiness of your English muffin. So do take the time to savour the morning with Thomas's. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Hey, babes. Hi, Oprah. It finally happened. Hey. Yes, thank you for thank having you. me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so everybody knows you started out this founder of this super group, the, the Black Eyed Peas, and since then you keep rising and you keep growing, and it literally feels like you are expanding. So you are a consultant, you are an investor, you're an entrepreneur, you're an advocate, you're an activist, you're a philanthropist, you're like a modern day Renaissance man. I read where you used to spend how many hours a week devoted to music, for a period of time, and then fewer hours a week devoted to music for a period of time. I just have to ask you this. Are you retired from music? Uh, I'm retired, no, I'm not retired from music. I just don't want to be in the music business. I love making music. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about me personally, like, Black Eyed Peas, yep, we make music. We haven't done it in eight years, but we have a new project that's virtual reality and augmented reality. Mm -hmm. But I just think there's so much technology and there's so many young kids that are doing awesome stuff to try to compete the way that we used to. I don't know. I think, I think we're supposed to do something different. Yeah. Or birth moment. new cats. Like I signed with Jimmy Ivey when I was, he was my age right now. Yeah. I was 20 something. He was 40 something. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm 40 something. Am I supposed to like, no. I think I'm supposed to be like developing cats and believing in kids the way Jimmy believed in us. It's about this narrative mm -hmm. where I saw this movie called Waiting for Superman, and that movie just was the beginning of this yeah. inner transformation where, you know, it, it talked about education, the, de the decline of education in America and our position as a leader in the world and how we're dead last, we're almost last mm -hmm. in education. And one of the schools that they highlighted in the film was Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. And that's a school my mom went to. And that, that was a school that I would have went to if my mom didn't send me you know, an hour and a half away from school ever since I was seven. And the thing that hurt my heart was it was waiting for Superman, like waiting for a fictitious character to solve To show up real and problems. solve this problem. So yeah. I remember we did that on the show. And uh, yeah, this, that, I remember that film, Transforming, yeah, for a lot of people. Yeah, so I just went out looking for supermen and women. 
Yeah. And met Lorraine Powell Jobs and asked her if she could bring her program College Track to Boyle Heights, the ghetto that I'm from. And since then, the, the program has been successful in Southern California. I now sit on her board. Dean came in with FIRST Robotics, and I asked Lorraine if I could couple robotics with her College Track program because the last thing I want to do is send kids to college, mm -hmm. and then they graduate with a diploma in debt. Yeah. So now our kids are going to school with robotics degrees, with robotics as their major, and engineering, and mathematics, and technology, computer science. And it's been great. We have a 100% graduation rate. We've been doing it for eight years now. I think it was 2008 or nine or something, you came on the Oprah show, and we had taken these young boys who didn't have an opportunity to go to college and... From Delaware. Yeah, and you gave them an opportunity to go to college, and I think you were motivated by that moment. I, I could feel in that moment that something happened when you met them on stage and yeah, you all connected. It yeah. was that moment where I was like, okay, I need to do more of this. Mm -hmm. And we started in high school and you know, I, I came in their lives because of the Oprah Winfrey show, transitioning from high school to college. I need to go sooner. So I went out and went to my ghetto and adopted a junior high school, kids that are 13 years old, and it was 60 kids, and now those 60 kids are about to graduate college next year. Wow. And they're all going to school, 80% of them, sorry, 80% of those kids are going to school for robotics, engineering, computer science, mathematics, and it's great. And now we have 670 kids, but it all started off 10 years ago at the Oprah Winfrey Show. Oh. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how you start out wanting to, I've found this so much often for myself, you start out wanting to offer your services, you know, lift somebody up, and you end up getting lifted yourself. That the reward is far more than you ever imagined. No, it, give, it puts you on a straight arrow Yeah. to where it's like people would be like, yo, Will, you want to go to this one party? Uh, what party is that? No, nah, I can't go to there. No. Why not? No, 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 I just... I just can't go to that party because I'm now responsible for 600 some odd kids and if it doesn't reflect what I'm really truly passionate about then I can't really be rocking like that. So you actively seek out some of the coolest people in the world. I love what Jim Giannopoulos, chairman and CEO of Paramount Pictures said about you. He says, Will has the most advanced right brain and left brain of anyone I know. Usually people are logical and analytical or intuitive and creative, but Will is each to such a high degree. He's a creative genius who thinks pragmatically about the way the world really works. I agree you don't think like anybody else. How would you describe the way your mind works? Well, music taught me how to pattern match. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? So matching patterns, it's like, hey, I noticed that people say obrigado in Brazil, yeah, and they say arigato in Japan. Uh -huh. like, I wonder why that. Does anybody realize that you know obrigado and arigato is similar and you know phonetically? And my mind then wants to research on the connection between Brazil and Japan. Right. And turns out Japanese love samba and bossa nova. And does the Portuguese play any part in what's happening in Brazil? And 
the adoption, what came first, obrigado or arigato. Yeah. And a form of that is no different than making songs and finding rhymes and metaphors and similes. And then seeing like the patterns in inner cities on connecting poverty with, you know, zoning. And, you know, when, whenever you have like a, a liquor store and a check cashing and a motel, fast food restaurants and a strip mall, it's connected to, you know, these kids that don't have a way out and in and out of juvenile hall and eventually jail or prison in their lifetime. Um, because you don't have the same zoning configuration and in and out of juvenile hall and prison where you don't have these strip malls and, you know, it's connected to, you know, investment in a child from 7 to 18. So pattern matching in music and then you see it, you see it in all, that's the way your brain works. My brain just sees these patterns. And patterns. So you're at the forefront of what uh, is being called the next industrial revolution, that's AI, artificial intelligence and robotics. I think people get... They get really fearful of that term, don't you? Because it sets off all sorts of alarm bells in people's psyche. What does it mean to you? Can you explain for everybody watching and listening to us who doesn't already know what that means for us, AI, so what it actually is? Movies, have, Hollywood did an amazing job with creating this dystopian future where robots and AI take over. Mm -hmm. And that's when you have one company so the pattern matching comes in when I, when I look at these films. I'm like, hey, wow, people are afraid of the Terminator because there's one company that dominates. Mm -hmm. People are afraid of the Matrix because there's one company that dominates. But they're not afraid of Star Wars. You have 3CPO, RTD2, all these other types of AI and robots. But the thing that they're afraid of in that film is the Empire. Because right? when you think of these robots and this AI and these films that have, like, you know, created this fear, you don't know the intentions of the company, and it's one thing dominating over all society. Yeah. And Star Wars, to me, is the optimism around robots and machines and AI that assist humanity. But it could be equally dangerous. So can water. True. <laughs> True that. <laughs> so, can, so can anything. Yeah. It's a tool. We have to look at it as a tool and how are we going to make sure that tool serves humanity. Yeah, um, well, I'm just, I'm just saying, equally dangerous. Stephen Hawking, the genius physicist who died this year, says success in creating AI would be the biggest event in human history. Unfortunately, it might also be the last unless we learn how to avoid the risks. Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla, says our greatest existential threat, I think there's potentially a dangerous outcome there. Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates says, I'm in the camp that is concerned about superintelligence. Are you in that camp? Nope. Yes? Superintelligence, yeah. I think it's our test as creatives, humanity creating something that potentially will be more powerful than humanity. That, that superintelligence, this artificial intelligence stuff that we are dealing with now is, is a, a nice tool. Yeah. But it's not totally conscious and... But a nice tool now, many people fear, can lead to a super tool later. Well, then we should have never had the internet. <laughs> we should all get off social media right now. Right this minute, right, right. If, if that's, right, so... It's coming, right? So we just need to prepare ourselves. I think, for a long time, we've ignored our, our you know, our God-given technology, spirituality. Right. 
And uh, is that how you refer to spirituality, our God-given technology? So we're hardware. Yeah. And there's something that fuels our hardware. Yeah. And that's our spirituality. So a phone has some type of operating system that allows it to function. And we, as human beings, are, you know, in this, this idle, I'm talking about mass society. Yeah. We're in this idle cruise control. Mm -hmm. Our spirituality is not. It's like if, if there was a, a bar, yeah. if you had a Wi-Fi bar on how connected you are spiritually, most folks are, probably have one bar, if that. Yeah. Um, if you were measuring it by your, yeah, by the bar. That's interesting. Yeah. My intent is up. That was one of the things, one of the first things, uh, Bill Clinton, when I first met Bill Clinton, he was like, your antenna's up. I'm like, antenna's up? Why would he, out of all the things, why would he say that? Because I always, my close circle of friends, we always would use that. Mm -hmm. Is your antenna up? What are you tuned into? And how well connected are you? And are you growing spiritually? I think this is a shove and a push to wake us up spiritually. This time? This fourth industrial revolution that we're in. All right. So I read somewhere where you see a time when everybody will have their own personal AI. What does that future look like? What does that look like? Okay, so if I were to say, hey, Oprah. Hey. Who's more powerful? Yeah. BBVA, Barclays, Bank of America, all combined. Yeah. Or Google. You would say Google, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, if I were to say um, Swiss Bank, HBC, Wells Fargo, all combined, or Facebook. Facebook. Facebook, yeah. So here are three companies, six of which, well, three different banks, that their business is to hold people's money. Yeah. So something that holds people's money, grows people's money, saves people's money, yeah. isn't as powerful as someone who doesn't take any money from you. So Facebook takes no money from you, by the way. It's a, it's a product that's for free. Yeah. That's because data is more powerful than money. So you can't really know anything about me if I just put all my money on a table. That my right. money is not going to tell you who I am. Yeah. It's not going to tell you where I go unless you have receipts on what I've spent. But your data does. But my Tells data me does. everything. So most people on the, on the planet, they have no clue what they're doing when they're on social media. They don't know whose company they're growing. They don't know how intelligent they're making the company. They, they just have this thing for free. Meanwhile, data is power. And if you're going to have access to your data and your data to enrich your life, not only you as an individual, but all your data doppelgangers and your community, then you need to have some type of like data scientist that's yours. Right. And that would be a personal AI. So if my data's mine, I need my own AI. Yeah. Mine that knows me, gives me this feeling that it cares about me and my home. And all these companies are now rushing into your home. They're rushing into your house to, to know everything about how you live. Which would be... So you weren't surprised when you heard about the data being stolen from Facebook at all? Data being bought. Bought. I mean, bought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. So these companies know more about you than the government in the country you live in, by the way. So and I think the same way Uber has disrupted transportation, whether it's MTA or metros or yeah. taxis, taxis, a new wave is going to disrupt the data giants. And we need disruption. Right. It's is like, what you think, right? We yeah. need disruption. We have like these data monarchies. Yeah. 
So if, if you lived back in the day and there was a king and a queen, the king and the queen owned everything. The land you right. lived on, they provided you with mortar, they gave you the, you know, the building knowledge on how to build buildings. And when you built buildings, most likely the king and the queen owned them. And that's what we are in right now. Well, what's you, fascinating to me is that you're so open and receptive to it. And there are a lot of people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, who are like people were probably when automobiles first started. And they're like, oh, I'm going to just keep my horse. I'm just going to keep driving my horse. Or when people said, you know, now we're going to have telephone service or, you know, People are usually afraid of change. It's the nature of being humans is that you like to keep things the way they are. Yeah. Yeah. So every hundred years, it turns out every hundred years there's this leap. Yeah. So a hundred years ago today, Edison and Tesla were battling on who's going to connect New York and Chicago and try to, you know, turn the Niagara Falls into an energy source. And J.P. Morgan and um, Westinghouse were investing in, in them around 100 years ago. Now every single city in the world, more or less, is powered with electricity. We have the ability, you know, that same company that Edison started, General Electric, launched RCA, which is Radio Corporation of America and NTSC. Now we have radio and TV and new ways of connecting with the Internet. Yeah. And 2000 and right now, a different type of electricity exists. Now you can talk to it. Now you can talk to electricity. Right? You get your phone, you say, hey Siri, you go in the house. Those little devices have some type of power in it and the electricity understands human utterance speech. Uh -huh. And that's going to change how we interact with machines and things. And you know, my whole mission is how do you get more inner city kids, ethnic folks, building and designing tomorrow. Because it's going to be built and designed anyway, just like 100 years ago. My great, great uncle was not a part of the conversation how the world was going to right. go. They didn't you know, participate in the making They were not sitting at the table where any decisions were being made. Yes. No. So that's the reason why I try to encourage my kids, hey, you guys better be a part of this conversation. It's going to be designed anyway. So you were an initial investor in Beats with Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre, and when that company was sold, you used the money and uh, created your own tech company called I Am Plus. And it's described, I've heard, as this kind of futuristic think tank. It's a sort of modern incubator. You gather together developers and content makers and students and scientists and designers. So what are you creating at IM Plus? So we've, we've created an artificial intelligence voice operating system. And right now we are helping augment Deutsche Telekom's customer service in Austria. So our system speaks German, English, Spanish, French. It's learning to speak Mandarin and Cantonese as we speak. Our, our developers are getting it prepared mm -hmm. for that. So yeah, so we augment call centers. We are working on our consumer product that we're going to launch shortly. And it's in and around the, the things I was talking about before is how do we empower people to retain their data and giving people personal AI. You said that right now we're living in an inhumane age and the human age is about to come. 
but we're going to need assistance to get there, and that's why I'm optimistic about artificial intelligence. Maybe we need a different type of intelligence so we can see the human in us. Do you, do you believe that artificial intelligence can help us become more human? I want to believe that, but the more stuff I see on TV with people just doing the, the worst things to each other is, it, it's disheartening, and it, it tries to diminish and like break my optimism, but I, I remain optimistic. It's coming. You're talking about the divisiveness that we're all feeling. Just this like in the world, this angst. There's this fuzz, this frequency of like. It's Something's not it's, off, people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if you put your antenna up, you feel it. It's yeah. like this unsettled. Yeah. Wh what does it feel like to you? It feels like to me that we've lost a spiritual core. That we've we we've forgotten who we are. That we are so disconnected from source, energy, whatever you, name you want to give to that. What, what does it feel like to you? That's what it feels like to me. And that everybody's just sort of playing into each other's hysteria. For me, it, it feels like uh, the parents are not here and the kids are acting up. It, it, I all over it, the world. All over the world. It's like, where are the parents at? <laughs> it just feels, it feels adolescent. It feels like, you know, carelessness, selfishness at the extreme. Mm -hmm. Like if, if Oprah was walking down the street and was to trip, people would whip their phones out before they say, are you okay? If I was to walk down the stairs and fall, people will pull out their phone before they say, hey, are you all right? And that's this, for what though? So they could post it for likes? And the likes don't benefit you at the, at the end of the day, it benefits the four data monarchy. There, there's these four kingdoms called Amazon, Facebook, Google, and Apple. And in the order that I said, Apple was a little bit more open and controlled with their, with their data. They're not as data hungry because they sell a product. So there's a part of me that is optimistic, but then I'm concerned on just pay attention, go to the restaurant and just see people together, and they're not together. You see people how they, when they're walking down the street, and which is great, because I'm on the phone too, but there is no type of like manners anymore. There's this digital route, and you see it when you travel and people come up to you and just throw a phone in your face. And expect a selfie. And expect, what? and there's no word for it. There's no rude. There's no word for it. Like if I burp, it's like, wow, that was rude, Will. Yeah. Like I, if I had gas, I would hold my, my gas because I don't want to bust out in front of everybody in the room. Yeah. But when it comes to like other needs, we have no more manners. It's like this disregard to anybody's personal space. And it has nothing to do with, pri there's like invasion of privacy and then there's invasion of privacy. I, if I select to go on, on social media, it does not mean that I should get rushed and bombarded by everyone else's you know, desires to capture moments, right? And that's why I think we need some type of you know, on-off switch in the form of a, of a technology that is looking out for me. I should be able to tell my now thing. Now we need a technology to look out for us? Why can't we do it ourselves? Because we don't have the time of the day. Well, 
Why you don't think that there is a there is a need to return to some kind of value system that says this is rude invading a person's personal space. I remember walking across the bridge during uh, the movie Selma and this woman was screaming at me about give me a selfie, give me a selfie and I I physically could not do it and I was just like take the picture, just go ahead take the picture and she said I don't want to picture you. I want a picture of me in the picture with you. And then I, 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 I couldn't get to her. And then she had much, 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 much attitude, which that has happened to me several times. I don't, yeah. I'm sure it's happened to you too. People have much attitude, because it's, it's like you are, it's now flipped that if you don't allow me to invade your personal space, then you're being rude for not letting me yeah, take it's a, a selfie. It's a new What's wrong with stuff? you? You won't let me have a selfie. What's yeah, are you fooling yourself, you, Oprah? That's why I didn't like you. It's like, <laughs> what? Are you serious here? It's got to the point where, you know, in the name of freedom, I no longer have freedom of what I want to do now. Because I'm supposed to, like, like if I asked my mom, like, Ma, if you had to raise us in this era, could you have? No, boy. <laughs> she said, no, boy. Because society is now dictating how parents are raising their kids. Like, my mom raised me the way my grandma raised her. And those are three different times. Yeah. But two of them were synonymous with each other. Like, my grandma, that's like fresh out of slavery. She was yeah. born in 1920. Her grandma was a slave. Yeah. My mom was born in 1950. And there were similarities. Because there was, you know, um, Jim Crow. Yeah. And they migrated from the South yeah. to Southern California. So here I am. I'm a video game kid. My mom was TV kid. My grandma was radio kid. My grandma's mom was picking you in Mississippi. Yeah. Picking things. Are you ready to unlock your inner greatness? If so, make sure to listen to my podcast, The School of Greatness, hosted by me, Lewis Howes. Join me as I sit down with world-class performers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to uncover their secrets to success with new episodes every single week. Whether you're striving for personal growth, business mastery, or simply seeking inspiration, The School of Greatness has something for you. And you can find it on SiriusXM, Pandora, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe and follow to the show so you never miss an episode and start your journey to greatness today. Back to what we were saying earlier, do you think there will be a time where we actually, because, you know, it's debated over and over again whether technology connects us or disconnects us, and I love your analogy. We're just now talking to electricity. I think it's both. It connects us and it disconnects us. But how can we use it? Will we be able to move to a time when we'll be able to use it to maximize connection? and yeah. minimize disconnection. Do you see that happening? Yeah, so for example, here's what the phone does really good right now. Yeah. If I'm lost somewhere and I say, hey, I need to get to X and X coordinates, it could get me there. Yeah. Like, it mapped the whole planet. Yeah. Really well. But it hasn't mapped me and people yet. So if I said, hey, I want to weigh 170 by April 19th, 2018. It should be able to give me directions on how to do that. It should help me, right? So I'm taking all these steps, but really, I don't really know what to do with those steps. Are the steps really for me, or is it for the company to know my steps? 
Mm. Now you gotta start asking questions like, yo, what's really going on here with all these step stuff? <laughs> are you all really, watching me step? Are you, you all guys, calculating my steps? Is it for me though? Because how is it really for me? Yeah. Y'all don't even know what I ate. Yeah. To even burn off that stuff. So that's, that's for weight, but what about- Or maybe they do. Yeah, maybe they do. <laughs> maybe they do know what you ate. <laughs> like, so but what if I wanted to have like, life aspirations? The things that I want to accomplish, things right. that I want to do in life. With all the knowledge that's out there in the world, can a, a system help me achieve my goals? So I don't have, you don't have that much time to search the internet for all the things to really help you. There's not enough time. It's so noisy. It's the reason why I believe fake news is fake news. There's just so much stuff out there on purpose to flood you from what's right and what's wrong. You don't have enough time to thumb through it all. Not, not, I don't know anybody that got time to live life, spend time with their family and friends, work, and thumb through life. It just so happens that people thumb through life more than they are interacting with people. Now, what if you had something to help you save time where you don't have to thumb through life? To where you don't search the internet, the internet comes to you. And not notifications where it's like bling, 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 bling. Because if I had to talk to something, it has to be smart enough to give me what I need. And that is the optimism I have with this, not super intelligence, just personal intelligence for me. You can't do advertising and, and like pop up windows in the form of a conversation. That system has to be precise mm -hmm. to give me what I need, when I need it, in the form of a conversation. And as soon as somebody starts, if I'm talking to you and then I start talking about for 99 cents, Nike shoes on Figueroa Boulevard, you'd be like, yo, well, what the F are you talking about? Right. You can't just blurt off into freaking advertising mode out of nowhere. You wouldn't want me as a friend. And the same thing, I, I believe, is for this personal thing. It's going to help us save time. It's going to help us connect with the people that we care about because we don't have to thumb through life. We're thummies. We're thumbing through life. Yeah, like not dummies, thummies. Going through life for. And I, yeah, I think there needs to, we need to have a verb for that. Like, you're thumbing too much. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to thumb you. Yeah. Like, fubbing, thumbing, tilting. Yeah. Like, two people. Well, we need, we, we need language for that. We also need lang language for what has happened to us, as, you, as we were saying earlier, what has happened to this, this sense of rudeness, this sense of, we don't have a language for how people should be behaving. Yeah, yeah. Now, I've heard you say you want kids just to dream, to be like Steve Jobs and not only like Stevie Wonder. That's your main mission in life now, correct? Yeah. How do you well, do that when this generation more than ever just wants to be famous? Oh, it's, it's terribly hard. But I think there's this, this get it, about to get it, about to live that life. You yeah. gotta make it rain, like whatever, whatever the hustle mentality is. <laughs> I always say, but Steve Jobs did it so big, he don't hustle. Uh -huh. Bill Gates did it so big, he isn't grinding. Right. Why do you wanna hustle and grind? There's a, there's a way to get it to where you're not grinding. You wouldn't buy a car that grinds. Yeah. You wouldn't wanna ride a horse called hustle because eventually it will get tired. Yeah. Like you would, you want a horse named Lightning you want a car named Smooth, yeah. <laughs> right? So how, how do you apply the same things to life? Like for a long time, they, they thought African-Americans couldn't excel in tennis. 
Arthur Ashe and the Serena sisters dominated. They said the same thing with golf. Tiger Woods dominated. The same things can be applied in the world of tech, science, solving problems. So let's start, let's start dreaming that dream. Let's start saying, there's, there's five foot two people that want to do it like Michael Jordan. There's no way, you five two, bro. And even if you, and you can get it that way, but not, there's more people that could get it like Steve Jobs than they are like Michael Jordan, turns out. Because yeah. everyone would turn pro by you know, applying themselves. The Department of Defense needs it. Department of Energy needs it. They need it. And there's and, a shortage of engineers and And I cats. know that you believe that poor, underprivileged, disenfranchised children are actually a business. What is the business of poverty, do you believe? Okay, so let's, let's say, um, take me back, I'm 11 years old, I'm in the projects. Just like you have scouts that go out and look for football players and basketball players to go to college, there's scouts that go into inner cities that check GPA, seeing how many people are in and, in and out of juvenile hall, and they decide where they're gonna build the next prison. And it just so happened in America for a long time, prisons were privatized. Yep. Your, Everybody should watch 13th, by the way. Yeah, yeah your delinquent yeah. behavior was a business for folks. Say, for example, and it all starts with how much money they invest in a kid at an early age to go to school. If you go to Brentwood or the equivalent of Brentwood across America, a kid's getting eight to $10,000 a year for their education. If you go to Boyle Heights or Watts, a kid's getting three to $5,000 a year for their education. Wherever there's three to $5,000 a year for their education, those kids are subject to bad food, no financial literacy, they're in and out of juvenile hall and prison, and that's a business. They're obese and diabetic, and they're gonna end up on some medicine, and the food that they're eating is going to scale their bad health uh, to levels at which they probably won't live a long life, but it's throughout their life they were generating so much money for pharmaceutical companies, correctional facilities, and it's a business. So you wanna combat business with business. So let's educate our kids, either change how school districts invest in a child, or do what, what I do in my neighborhood. There's so many celebrities that come from inner cities, they can adopt their school. Yeah. Okay, so I adopted my school in the, adjacent to the neighborhood I grew up in, and it, it cost about a million and a half bucks. And for a college um, training program, my college track, it works. Right? So all the folks that are watching this, hearing it, it works. All the folks that are an NBA, they have disposable income, or rappers, or singers, actors, actresses, go to the hood that you come from and adopt it. Cost 1.2 a year. If you can do it that way, I mean, there's people rapping about spending money, wasting it. Yeah. Like imagine if our community was rapping about like changing their neighborhood, right? That's, that would be awesome. Not getting that, yo, I can't wait to get up out the hood. How about like, I can't wait to change the hood. Imagine that, imagine that was the, the path forward. Like, yo, I can't, yo, how, how, how much you change your name? Man, I changed my neighborhood like X amount, boom, boom, boom. I mean, it would be amazing, right? Like we always complain about the things like underserved communities or underdeveloped communities, but we never ask who are the servers and the developers. Like, I wonder who these developers and servers are that are making it possible for these living conditions. Turns out we can be the servers and developers ourselves. So this makes you an optimist, right? You're an optimist about the future. Yeah. 
I'm the kind of optimist that if someone says, you know what they say, when the door closes, another Nothing one opens. opens. Yeah. I don't say that. You don't say that. Uh-uh. I say when a door closes, I'm going to go build another door. Because then that way, it will always be open. Because I own that door. And I can close it when I want. You could be an optimist that's still waiting for other opportunities, or you could be an optimist that makes opportunities. And that's how optimistic I am, is how do I go out and make opportunities, not wait for them. Love it. All right, tell me what this is. Oh, Masters of the Sun? Yeah, Masters of Black Eyed Peas present Masters of the Sun. I hear this is a book that is like augmented reality. I'm really excited about this. You know yeah. I'm excited about this? Because it means future so, books is gonna change, right? Yep. All right, so Master of the Sun is a, is a graphic novel that I wrote five years ago with Mir and Damien Scott and uh, then Jack. And what it is, you classic traditional graphic novel. Yeah. Marvel is our partner. Yeah. But we created this, this technology that allows you to put the phone over the book and the book comes to life, like so. So you have the app that you put over the book, and then the book comes alive. Yeah. So I scored it with Hans Zimmer. Uh -huh. So I went to Hans Zimmer's studio in Santa Monica. I'm like, look, I got this, got this team that I've had for the past eight years that didn't. My, my financial folks were like, Will, you need to get rid of this team. I was like, no, no, we'll figure something out. You don't understand. They're talented. And so everyone was talking about this new technology that, that augments you know, physical spaces, books, and just like the space between me and you. You could layer it and put new information. Like I could see uh, with augmented reality, I could see like um, Oprah's digital halo, right? The things that are on your mind, things that you traveled, and right now it's on a phone, but tomorrow will be glasses or contacts. Yeah. So we're just we're we're, we're really like what five six years from being able to see what other people are thinking, right? Not see what they're thinking, but seeing what people's their collection of thoughts. So we, right now we have that, if I wanted to follow your feed, really yeah. that's a collection of thoughts. Yes. What you thought about that picture, your comment about that, your conversations. If you really look at social platform, you really get to see what a person is about. Yeah. Or what's important to them or what they think is important or what they want you to think is important. But certainly. I need this device, yeah. this phone right now. Right. So this book shows you that you know, what you thought a book was in the past will change tomorrow where I could go deeper into you know, what that sentence was about or hidden gems behind that phrase or picture, depending on the author. You could tell deeper stories with augmented reality and books. Right when you thought books were obsolete, here comes something to bring them back up again. Yeah. And the same way this book has been transformed, me sitting talking to Oprah would be transformed when I have augmented lenses, whether they're glasses or contacts, which I think could be distracting. <laughs> It could be distracting, because every once in a while you... But people do that anyway when they yeah. talk. Well, so it all excites you, right? It yeah. just excites you. Do you sleep well? I've learned, now that I've changed my regiment yeah. and plant-based, yeah. I sleep yeah. really well. Okay, I was gonna say. Right, so I, I go to is sleep. Are you constantly thinking about things, what the future is, what's it gonna look like? 
Yeah, so I, I go to sleep around 12 now. Yeah. Uh, wake up at 7, mm -hmm. 8, work out, eat right. And, you know, have, have deeper sleeps. But I still, I'm, I'm always, I'm always uh, thinking about, you know, what tomorrow might be. And, and what's your spiritual base? What keeps you personally grounded? Your spirituality, the essence of, of you. Um, the conversation, the prayers that I have with my, my future self and my past self. Really? So when I pray and meditate, I, I meditate and pray to my 18-year-old self right now who's lost because he doesn't know how to get here. Mm -hmm. So I send him, you know, GPS coordinates. Mm -hmm. Here's how you get here. Yeah. Stay away from that, stay away from that. And I meditate and pray to that person. Mm -hmm. And just like the six-year-old self. Why? Because you're already here in your 40s. So why do you need to do that? Because that's what got me here. Okay. So I, I, I don't see time like, uh, it's, you know, it's one o'clock, I'm late to a meeting. I, I, think, I think of time as this constant loop if you choose to connect to your, your past self and future self. Okay. Right, so yeah, I'm here at 42. Yeah. But, like I have a memory of your 18-year-old Of my 18-year-old self. self. I know he's lost. Uh-huh. And, and he got me here because I send him here. Just like my 60-year-old self is sending me to that. Yeah. Like, why am I doing AI? My 60-year-old self is telling me to do this yeah. because it's going to be built anyway. Let's make sure it's built by folks that come from areas that either are going to have tougher lives because of which, right? How do we make it easier for those folks, right? By making sure the algorithm is looking after them. If you're in a car, self-driving car, AI, yeah, yeah. and in the car is like a 20 billionaire, and right next to him is you know a hundred millionaire, uh -huh. and walking across the street is Jamal, and they're all going to LAX, and to pass LAX, get to LAX, you have to pass Inglewood, the hood, and there's a car accident happening, and the AI knows that Jamal, in an instant, is only worth a negative $2,000. Whose life is being saved and protected? That algorithm is being programmed now. That algorithm is being programmed now. That algorithm has to be being programmed now because everyone's talking about self-driving cars. So from that perspective, there's sensors on the car that can see the face and know how that, where that face is connected to financially and if they've been in any crime or not to be able to protect not only the lives of the car and the value and the, right, who's more important, the vehicle and the system oh, or the person? Oh, yes. this is scary. This is scary. You gotta think about that stuff right now. This is very scary. This is very scary. That's the reason why I'm if like. If a car knows who I am as I'm crossing the street, I think that's pretty darn scary. No. What's scary is all the Uber drivers will be out of jobs in five years. You think? You know. You cannot say autonomous vehicles and then at the same time say Uber drivers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does not compute. Yeah. So there's a lot of things, but with AI, new jobs will come. It always is, is as so where kids that have nothing end up creating things that never existed. Jazz, hip hop. Hip hop, yeah. It all came from folks that were forgotten. Yeah. So what are those folks going to dream up and imagine in new careers and new industries that are gonna come for their dabbling in AI? 
And the sooner you put them in the conversation, the better it is for folks that are synonymous to their life conditions. So I just talked about like inner cities. What about slums? One of those slums is Bangalore, India. Bangalore, India, 2005, wasn't the Bangalore, India you know today. The Bangalore, India you know today is like the tech hub of India. Yeah. Right, so you see how tech can transform the living conditions and it will continue to change. Yeah. So AI is, uh, people are grazing over it. Spell check is AI. The dog ears when you're on Instagram or Snapchat, Snapchat. is some AI. version of AI, AI or AR. It's here. Yes. Stephen Hawkins is a genius, and rest in peace, great addition to society as a whole. Elon Musk, amazing. So some people could be like, really, William, we supposed to take your optimism over the, the geniuses? You should always take optimism over worry and fear. Their concern is not that AI is bad. It could be bad. But then you have to ask, why will it go wrong? It will go wrong if education is not matched with investment for AI. So if we have a dumb society, that's when it goes wrong. What are we doing to you know, counter that and make sure that you know, we play a role in making sure to our best abilities that people are educated? How do you change frequency in popular culture to where education is sought after and not just meaningless materialism? Thank you. Yeah. Cool conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Oprah. <laughs> I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. <laughs>